Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Phil Huber, joined today by John. Logan is out traveling the world. On today's episode, we're going to continue our discussion on workshops, uh, looking at a few listener comments from last week's episode, and talk a little bit more about our own shop here at Woodsmith. I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistant, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. All right, so last week we had a little bit of uh, kind of a chit chat based on a listener question about our studio shop. Yep. And. Um, was kind of fun to talk about it. In, I mean, because we just end up using this shop all the time, mm-hmm. and you don't really think about it so much uh, as a space. And I guess I always think of it more of as a studio set, just because you know, like my office cube is right here, and on the other side of the desk is the is the set. And maybe that's the perfect world: is having a workspace. And then the shop just steps away. So yeah, yep, it's nice because you can just jump off your computer and do a little work and jump right back out. So yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I want to read a few comments from last week's show, and then then uh, we can work from there. So right here, Tim writes, "This is so timely. I'm planning my new shop that will be a, that will be building in the fall." I currently use a one-car garage that is double the normal depth, so 12 by 30, with a wall that divides the length. My new shop is limited to 18 by 24 because of property lines, but I'm keeping the back half of the current shop for finishing, wood storage, and my laser. Thanks so much for the ideas to consider. And I guess that's one thing that, you know, he talks about having a laser, and that would be something to consider... You know, do you subdivide the space in your shop depending on some of the tools? You know, like, would you, if you have a big enough shop, would you have a separate finishing room or, you know, like a CNC or a laser room? Right. Yeah, that's something we were talking uh, last week about it. And it's like, oh, it's nice to have a separate even a small area for metal working just to keep the metal shavings out, but we didn't even talk about finishing. It's like you kind right. of need a separate, like clean area or you're doing a lot of cleanup and dusting and all that before you can uh, start finishing and without getting dust and chips and all that stuff in your finish. So I guess yeah. that's another, another consideration to have if you have the space is to kind of uh, cordon off, you know, a small space for finishing. Right. You know, like even here on our set, we don't really, well, we do some finishing here, but most of the time we're in the finishing room from the main shop and which is definitely a nice luxury Mm -hmm. of having that extra dedicated space. I mean, touching on that a little bit, if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to do finishing in your shop as is, then 
you definitely need a way to be able to keep the dust down, whether that's um, having an air cleaner mm-hmm. or, you know, waiting, waiting a day or something like that for everything to kind of settle out. Right. Yeah. In my uh, uh, previous shop garage, uh, what I did for finishing, um, I'd wait for a good day and bring the sawhorses out to the driveway and do all my sanding and prep work out there just so I didn't have it settling in, in the garage in the shop area and then do all the spraying and finishing that I wanted to do out there as well, which provided a lot of ventilation, but then it was like always standing guard. So leaves didn't fall down onto (laughs) wet finish or like keeping the flies or insects from crawling on it while it's wet and getting stuck in the finish. So it was good in many ways, but it was also, you know, stressful for while the finish dried. Yeah. And I, it is something to think about, you know, like for my home set situation, finishing becomes definitely as a seasonal activity. Like I will choose, I will choose the finish and application method on weather. You know, like when I'm in mm-hmm. Christmas project mode, I'm more likely to, I mean, I usually default towards water-based finishes anyway, but I'll do like water-based finishes or shellac or something like that because I know that I can do that in the house Mm -hmm. and it's not going to stink up the place or bother anybody. But when it's nicer weather out and I could, like you said, either finish it in my garage or, you know, out on the driveway, then you, then it's a lot easier to, uh, go with something like, you know, spray cans or, oil-based finishes because I know that I can just let that off gas out in the garage and be done with it. So, Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously the needs of the project are going to play a role, but. Yeah. But yeah, we're pretty spoiled here of having our own finish room and uh, whatnot there. So a lot of times I find myself, you know, getting all the assembly done at home and bringing it here now and doing all the finishing there. So just one of the perks. All right. Another question is, or comment, you know, maybe it would be cool to do a video walkthrough of the shop and studio setup so we can get the whole perspective. Having worked in the film and video production business in the past, I'm well aware of the additional space needed for production. That said, it would be cool to see your shop and production facilities. Uh, I feel like we could be able to do that for uh video edition or on our put it on our youtube channel as well yeah i think we did a a walk through the shop quite a while ago but i think things have changed enough that it's time to do another one and i don't think we've ever done one in the studio so that'd be a good walk through video to do plus it's you know like we do the shop updates on facebook on Thursdays. And I think, you know, you can kind of get a scale for the shop, but we know, you know, sometimes we end up just kind of flying through stuff and you don't really see how it relates to each other. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool to see, you know, we see in the video studio, uh, what the cameras are pointed at, but we haven't seen like, you know, this, our setup for lighting and cameras and, you know, what's behind the cameras. So be another interesting yeah. thing for people to see. 
Sure. Uh, Mike writes, I ran two 20-amp circuits in my shop. Lots of plugs plus a couple in the ceiling. Around the wall, the plugs alternate which circuit they're on. If I were to do it again, I would run four-wire, neutral, hot red, hot black, ground to each plug and wire the top socket on one circuit and the bottom on the second one, which I feel like is next-level electrical mm-hmm. skills. Yeah. That's like 221. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Um, I guess another thing on electrical we didn't mention last week, or I guess what's your opinion on outlets in the floor? Um, we have some on the studio set, mm-hmm. but that's kind of leftover from somewhere from its previous life as a stage. Although in our other video studio, we had outlets in the floor too. Right. And I, overall, I'd have to say I like it. Okay. It's kind of nice having that, especially the way we have it for the table saw and the jointer that they're right there. Uh, I think it, it means that you have a larger shop space. Sure. You know, like my home shop that's only eight feet deep and is wide, floor outlets aren't solving any problems for me. Mm-hmm. But if you have a more expansive shop space, I can see where that would be a, a yeah. plus. I guess my only problem or inconvenience is when, like, dust and chips get in there and you can't close the little door on it and it just seems kind of yeah. get clogged up. But yeah, that's true. For a, for a larger shop, it would be nice. Um, or you could go the the hanging cord route, the retractable cord route. But then you, it seems like those are always in the way too, like you're ducking and dodging right. hanging cords. So Yeah, because we used to have quite a few of them in the magazine shop, and I feel like we took a bunch of them down mm-hmm. that they just were an inconvenience. Or it feels like the... Um, the recovery spring on it wears out mm-hmm. pretty quickly. So all of a sudden you you know, you pull on it and it just doesn't go back up. And... Yeah. I think another thing too, is we kept moving layout. So then they were kind of in a odd, they ended up in like an oddball spot, like where right. people were standing or in a walkway or whatnot. So. Yeah. You know, that's one thing to consider too, is I, I feel like, you know, we're guilty of it too in articles is thinking that there is one perfect ultimate shop layout for your space. And that I don't think is really the case. Mm-hmm. Or I've come to come to accept that about my own shop is that it's not, it's not perfect. Yeah. And I'm never going to get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think layout and, and work surface, all that kind of depends on the projects you're working on and size and scale and, um, yeah, it might change from you're working on a small project and a certain layout works for that. And then you're working on, you know, a bigger piece of furniture and now you got to change it up a little bit to, to get everything to fit. So kind of, yeah, if you're working on the same thing all the time or the same scale of project. It might work to have a singular layout, but yeah, it always seems to change. Like I'm always moving stuff around. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I feel like, you know, as a woodworker, you're probably going to be changing and growing anyway. So that's going to dictate how you work, which can affect your layout. You know, we have some stuff in the studio set here that kind of, like different machines have a home that's more or less permanent. But there, I mean, other than like the table saw, it's almost as if those are just parking spots. Mm-hmm. And we'll pull them up, put pull the other tools out for, like you said, to suit the needs of a, a project or even the stage of a project. You know, if we're doing a lot of jointing and planing, then the jointer planer comes out, so you can just process that material relatively easily. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to work like at a shop for, you know, having flexibility to either have tools that can move around the workbench or like your workbench or work surfaces can move, roll around, you know, to tools or have carts or something that it, that can bring you mm-hmm. to where you're working, I guess. Right. Yeah. That I will say is something that was, that's been kind of a revelation for me. Uh, you know, having worked at, on shop notes for so long is how popular shop carts were are and if i had a bigger space i think i would have uh i'd have quite a few shop carts i think mm-hmm. and i know your partiality to shop yes. carts i've i've collected many a shop cart in my day <laughs> you know so i like i like the flexibility there so yeah yeah that's kind of cool all right, let's see. Uh, Michael writes, I have a very unique situation for my shop. The original owner turned his one-car attached garage that's attached to the house just off the kitchen into a family room and built a two-car garage onto it. Since I don't need the fan- family room, single retired person, I've turned it into a wood shop. This way I can do the messy non woodworking in the garage and keep the wood shop free of all that. Nice. Yeah. And in addition to the separation that we, I mean, we talked about that last week of kind of keeping some of those tasks separate, especially if woodworking is one of your, is a hobby and is kind of a, a respite from the rest of your day, so to speak Mm -hmm. is having an attached garage makes climate control so much easier. Absolutely. And especially if that space had already been turned into a family room. So now you have easy heating and air conditioning that make being out in your shop in some of the extreme seasons a lot, a lot more pleasant. You know, since you went through winter now in your new house john how has how's the garage because it's a detached garage does it is it better than your other house uh, like is there I, more moderate yeah i probably spent yeah more time in there but it's still pretty cold it faces the the north so i feel oh. it was like colder and i don't know if this winter just seemed windier or longer or colder but yeah it wasn't it wasn't warm enough for me to spend a lot of time out there and I'm sure I could put in, um, you know, like a mini split or something to, 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 you know, warm it up just to, 
it stays in the 50s or 60s or whatever just to make it more comfortable but i haven't got to that that point yet but i it wasn't warm enough i'll say that (laughs) yeah maybe i'm just getting soft right which i mean i can feel that too because i always thought that you know like i i'm i'm a relatively tough guy should be able to make it through a winter and just you know buckle down and take care of stuff but i i had a hard time yeah this winter and i don't know like i said i don't know for what it was if it was just the kind of dankness of it or what mm-hmm. so yeah my garage just doesn't have any windows so maybe that's too it faces the north it's dark and you know not getting any sun it just seemed gloomy so yeah I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust. And fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistant, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. Now, speaking of mini splits, uh, I came across, and this would be something that I would like to know from listeners, is uh, it's a website. So obviously, it's a great deal on the internets. It's a it's a site called MrCoolDIY.com, where it's a it's a mini split system that you can install yourself. Because normally the, the mini splits are kind of a very somewhat complicated piece of equipment to install, especially mm-hmm. if you're not familiar with the ins and outs of refrigerant lines and all that kind of thing. <clears throat> um, and because of that, they get a little pricey. You know that you're talking like a you know, $3,000 for the unit plus like almost another three for installation and plumbing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, so I'd like to know if anybody's tried that and what they thought of it. Yeah. That'd be interesting. So that's the other thing I, I haven't been through a summer yet in this house. So maybe right. with a North facing garage, it'll stay cooler than, you know, mm. the other garage, but I don't, it still seems like my garage is humid. This one is all the time. So yeah, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, just sucking the humidity out would be better than the shade that we would get from being on the North side. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you have more opportunity to have the garage door open in the summer mm-hmm. without feeling like you're got a bunch of hot sunlight beaming in on right. you either. Yeah. Throw a couple of fans in there and it's probably, you know, mm-hmm. get some good airflow and shade, yep. but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kevin writes, I have a 24 by 30 shop in my backyard. I have a double car garage door on it because of the, because of code. He also had to put in a solid surface driveway back to it. The city couldn't understand something that big. That wasn't a garage. I'm sure if I ever sell the property, it will be a garage. So that was kind of an interesting thought of that. If you have an auxiliary building back there of having to have a double, double garage door on it and a driveway back to it, Mm -hmm. which I had never 
never considered. I mean, on the plus side, having a driveway back there makes it easier for delivering materials, especially if it's large, heavy stuff, then you don't have to lug it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff writes, my current shop is my, is my nightmare shop that will become the dream meets reality shop this year. He says he's trying to give up storing things that are completely unnecessary. I have almost convinced myself to change over from a Delta contractor's table saw and slider, a Delta add-on, to a track saw with a multifunction table. Breaking down sheet goods will be much easier and safer, in my humble opinion. Still working through what will be the best way to do things like drawers or styles and rails without a table saw. I'm happy to keep the 6-inch jointer, lunchbox planer, and a small drill press. The bandsaw needs an upgrade, but that is independent of the table saw strategy. Although a darn good bandsaw can rip effectively enough and the jointer and planer are on hand for final sizing. Thoughts or suggestions for this one car garage space? Hmm. Yeah, you've been living without a table saw for a while now. How do you <clears throat> like that and go about you know, doing style rail type work or... I have, and um, I will admit that that's probably the biggest. Well, style and rail isn't too bad for me, because a lot of times I've kind of come to the conclusion that if styles and rails are fractionally inconsistent, that there's very little effect that that has on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it does start to play a role is sizing drawer parts, you know, which are, which need to fit a specific space. Um, but I've done all of that stuff on my bandsaw and I have a decent blade on it. I use the, the wood slicer and I get a pretty smooth cut with it. And after that, I can just take it over and hand plane it smooth, which, you know, on a lot of stuff, you're going to do anyway that you're going to, whether it's a, an inset door that you kind of build slightly big and then cut it, plane it to fit. Um, or even drawers where you'll hand plane those pieces to a specific size. I think that that's, that's gone pretty well for me. I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised on how easy that part of the transition is where I still, where I still have issues is cross-cutting longer pieces to specific lengths. And then also what I would call like the mid-size panels. Like I have a, I have a circular saw and some cutoff guides that I use for bigger plywood sheets. Not a big deal. It's the, it's the like, shelves or small cabinet tops, um, those kind of things where it's a little clunky to use the circular saw and and cutoff guides as I have them now Mm -hmm. and a little too big to work on a bandsaw. And I don't know necessarily what my solution for that is. Some of it I've done just by hand, you know, using a handsaw to cross cut pieces, but when they're longer and they kind of need to be 
identical lengths, then that becomes a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. And this guy sounds like he's going with a track saw and MFT. With a track saw. Yeah, so that would yeah. kind of help in that uh, aspect, I guess. Right. Yeah. So, you know, because I don't have a power miter saw in my shop either. Mm. Okay. Uh, again, mostly because of space considerations. But... Uh, so I, I know those are totally unique to my my situation, but I think if he had the a track saw and an MFT, then he's able to tackle a lot of those things that I struggle with in terms of those kind of small mid-size panels mm -hmm. and cutting those to size. But yeah, I think he's on the right track there. Uh, having an open shop has been a revelation for me in having the table saw out of there because that was one of the big things that you know, if you have a small space and you're constantly bobbing and weaving around tools and project parts and stuff like that, it becomes not as enjoyable to be out there. Uh, and then another last comment is, did you mention good lighting other than windows, which I don't think we did last week. Mm, nope. Yeah, they have some really good... Uh LED lights nowadays that that seem to do a lot better than the the fluorescent hanging fluorescent lights that we've always put in our garages or shops in the past and seems that the LED yeah. lights have really come a long ways. And and that's what I did cuz I my garage had kind of four just screw-in bulb fixtures. And one of the first thing I did was to upgrade those to LED bulbs, which made a huge difference. But then I think I got them at Costco. Just they were called shop lights. You, know, you just plug them in, and it's a three-foot LED panel. Mm -hmm. They go in real easy. No ballast, so they worked really well in winter. That's a big plus. But having a you know, one thing that I really like about them is having a light source that is large to begin with, you know, and instead of a bulb where it's just a single point, mm -hmm. you know, even though the brightness is there, having that wider dispersal of the light makes it a lot easier to work because you're less likely to block it or create shadows. Um, I end up doing a lot of my work woodworking in evenings and late at night or something like that, or in winter when it's, uh, when it's dark at like four thirty, even, uh, so having a lot of light is really nice. I have two windows in my shop that face South and most of the time that's a good thing, but there are times when it's just like, it's too harsh coming from that direction. Mm -hmm. And like you said, your garage has no windows, right? Yeah, so it makes a, I mean, even facing north, it makes a huge difference having the garage doors open, even though I have, you know, quite a few LED lights that are bright enough, but still doesn't seem to um, cover the whole garage. Most of the, the LEDs are to the south side, so where typically I'm working, but sometimes I spread out throughout the whole garage, and some parts are still yeah. darker than others, so. So have you ever... I think we it's kind of loitering around in the photo studio was a tip where it was a one of those like LED um 
task lights, you know, those big square ones. Mm-hmm. And I think we put it on like a office chair base or something oh, like yeah. that to make like a rolling. Yep. Have you ever done those kind of things? Uh, I do have like, uh, it's not LED. I think it's older, like a halogen <clears throat> type stand light that I've, you know, been clunking around my garage and I have been known to get that out. And in the winter, it's set, yep. it, it, since it's halogen, it sets off, you know, quite a bit of heat too. So that's a plus. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I do have one of those that kind of helps out to, point at a specific work area. Sure. I also find that I use light differently in my shop that when I'm at my workbench, if I'm doing handwork, I kind of rely more on the windows than I do uh, in kind of the machine area of my shop where I want I don't know what, you know, being at the drill press or bandsaw, especially those tools kind of have a hulking over the top sort of arrangement so that it's very easy to get shadows where you don't want shadows Mm -hmm. and being able to line up parts with layout lines and marks and stuff like that. So I definitely like having task lights there where I can shine quite a bit of light on it. And even the drill press in our shop has a built-in, you know, gooseneck light, which I've found myself using a lot more. Yeah, I do that as well. And maybe just because we're getting older, too. (laughs) That's probably it. Yeah. That was all the questions from last week. And I think there's, like we said last week, it was, you know, your workshop is never really done. There's always... New tool upgrades or new projects, new ways of thinking about what you're doing and that kind of thing. So have you made any changes to your shop? Um, Well, we moved in. um, I think it was the week we moved in. There was, it was just full of random like kitchen cabinet and countertop surfaces and that was the first stuff that that had to go so within the first week i was pulling out all those cabinets because i have my own workbench and uh tool storage and stuff so all that stuff went got rid of it brought in my workbench and um so i have all that stuff moved in um but i found that my uh, garage floor has quite the slope to it. So I might be changing to a wall mounted workbench just so I'm not fighting, you know, the shim, like shimming it up and, um, keeping everything stable. I think a wall mounted workbench might be a better solution there. So I might go to a kind of more of a wall mounted shop system, but we'll see. All right, John, as we wrap this up, um, have any goals for your shop working in it now or yeah i don't know i just want to be i guess more organized and have a little bit more flexible space than what i've had in the past so kind of starting from scratch a little bit but sure just see where it takes me it's a journey (laughs) (laughs) it is i think mine is still the if I can get my garage insulated and drywalled instead of open studs, I think will be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
ultimately I would love to have better climate control and that's kind of where where I'm going but just being out there is a big 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 step so yeah. absolutely uh, I think that wraps up another episode uh, I want to thank tight bond uh, you want a glue that you can trust and fortunately tight bond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence from interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistant, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. You know, speaking of Tightbond, I just want to say we have some of their speed set glue in the office here at Woodsmith, and it's frankly become one of our favorites. I know Mark mm-hmm. uses it all the time, so. And ordinarily, I'm more of a slow set glue kind of person. Maybe Taipan needs to have like a personality test that you take <laughs> to say like which glue are you? Yeah. Um, but having that speed set around has been a big help for a lot of stuff yeah. with video. Yeah, it definitely uh, speeds the process up quite a bit. Hence the name. But yeah, right. you just glue quick and keep moving. Yeah. So, anyway, if you're thinking about changing up some of your glue options, give the speed set a try is what I would say. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, I'd love to hear about it. You can send me an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where you can also watch the podcast as well. Otherwise, we'll see you next week for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.